and up ahead, eternity, will weep no more, will sing for joy. God, abide with me. Today we began a new message series, uh, Comfort in Quarantine, uh, and we're reminded uh, from Jesus, we want to look at some words of Jesus, some words of comfort, some words of hope, some words of promise. We're reminded of his love for us, of his plans for us, of his presence with us. You know, one of the things throughout the Bible is that God is with his people. Uh, When Moses is preparing to depart this life, when he's preparing for his death and to pass the torch to Joshua, his successor, uh, and the Israelites are preparing to enter into the promised land after years of wandering in the wilderness, Moses says to them, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, that is the enemies that are in the land. He says, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you uh, nor forsake you. And no doubt in the most beloved psalm, David prays, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you, God, are with me. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Likewise, in Psalm 139, David is reflecting on God's knowledge that he knows everything about us. Uh, that he's present in all places at all times. And David gets a bit uncomfortable about this invasive knowledge and presence of of God. And uh, he essentially says, where, where can I go to get away from you, God? He says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Uh, Lord, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, in other words, if I, if I come up with the sunrise, you're, you're there. Uh, if I settle on the far side of the sea, uh, that's the sunset for David. Lord, you're there. Uh, even there, your hand will guide me. He says, your right hand will hold me fast. One of Jesus' disciples, uh, Matthew, uh, records the significance of uh, Jesus' coming, of his birth, of his life, the fulfillment of the prophecies. And he writes in Matthew one twenty two, he says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. This theme goes on in Ephesians 2. Paul tells us that we are a dwelling as believers. We're a dwelling, a home in which God lives by his spirit. We could go on and on and trace this theme of God's presence with his people uh, in his word. You see, here's the deal. You may be in quarantine today, but you are not alone You may be isolated. You may feel like you're in isolation today, but there is one who is, who is with you. There is one who will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're a child of his, you cannot get away from him, nor would you want to. He's there with you now, and he wants to abide with you now. Run to him. Remain in him. Friend, rest in him. Some 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was walking the dusty streets of ancient Palestine, uh, that's the message that he was about to tell his disciples. He was going to tell them in John 15, abide in me, uh, remain in me, trust me, rest in me, walk with me. But before he did, he told them that he was leaving them. 
He told them that he was going somewhere that they could not follow, not now. He was going to the cross. He told them that one of them would betray him and that another of them, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, would deny him. This is not what you want your leader. This is not what you want your mentor. This is not what you want to hear from your Lord. And at this, they are troubled. Jesus' friends are anxious. They're confused, perhaps even hurt. Jesus knows this. And so he says to them in John 14, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus says to his followers, he says, I'm leaving you, but it's for your own good. I'm I'm leaving you out of love for you, a love that will last beyond the here and the now and into eternity. Trust me. That's essentially what Jesus says You know, Jesus never says, believe in me and you won't have any troubles. He never says, uh, uh, follow me, trust me, believe in me, and your life will be easy. You won't face any hardships. In fact, soon he would say to his followers, he would say, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. You will have trouble, but do not be troubled. That's what Jesus says. Just hours before his arrest, his unjust trial, his brutal beating, his his death on the cross, Jesus says to his people, take heart. Take heart. Though you will face trouble, do not let your hearts be troubled. Though you will encounter trials, don't get discouraged. To take heart is the opposite of getting discouraged. It's to be encouraged. Even though sickness and sorrow may surround you, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Eugene Peterson paraphrased our Lord's words here is, don't let this throw you. Don't let this throw you. In other words, when difficulty descends upon you, when opposition surrounds you, when heartache hits your family and your friends, do not let your hearts be troubled. Keep your faith in me. That's what Jesus seems to be saying. And in this conversation that John records for us, if if Jesus were to pause right then and there, if he were to pause after that statement, I would anticipate his disciples interrupting him, saying, how? Lord, you've just told us that you're leaving us. You've just drove a wedge between us. You just told us that you're going to die and that we're going to turn on you and abandon you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm sorry, Lord, but that's a bit troubling. And so Jesus tells them, trust me. He says, trust me. And he gives the same call to us today. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. That sounds so simplistic, and yet this is what the Lord is saying. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's the the NIV, the New International Version, but here's a place. 
I think the ESV conveys the message more accurately. Believe in God, believe also in me. You see, Jesus' words here can be taken as a statement. You believe in God, you believe also in me. Or they can be taken as a command. Uh, Believe in God, believe also in me. Or even as a combination between the two. You believe in God, believe also in me. In the original language of the New Testament, the grammar can be taken either way. And so context becomes the clue here. So what's happening here? Jesus is calling his anxious followers to put their faith in him. He's calling his anxious disciples to to put their faith once again in the Father and in the Son. Even when earthly circumstances get shaky, he's calling believers to trust in him. How could a disciple be encouraged in the midst of uncertainty? Anticipating opposition from without and betrayal from within, how is it possible to persevere through persecution, to endure opposition, to to face physical pain or financial ruin or relational heartache with courage and confidence? And the only possible way, friends, is by trusting in the person and the promises of God. Friends, God is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. Jesus is reminding his followers, he's reminding us that he is trustworthy. Jesus is is saying, trust God and trust me. If you trust the Lord, you will trust me. That's what he's saying. And then he would go on to speak of this mysterious relationship that we don't fully understand between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Jesus would say things, just a few Verses later, like, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, John 14, 11. And then in verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. In other words, Jesus says, take heart, trust me, for your God is trustworthy, which means so am I. You know, I love that we live in a nation that cherishes freedom. Uh, Our ancestors fought for freedoms. They fought for freedom uh, from external rule, and they also uh, fought for freedom uh, from within, freedom that applies, liberty that applies to all citizens of this nation, freedoms of uh, religion and speech that foster dialogue and debate, bantering even over policies and politics, over truth and morality. And the truth is, Uh, that there has been a lot of finger pointing in the professional media uh, and also on the social media lately, right? Uh, There have been uh, blame, uh, blaming others. People are are blaming others for various issues and and challenges that we're facing and how we should respond uh, to those. We're, We're a nation that's deeply divided over politics. And now somehow, somehow, some way, Everyone's response to a global pandemic is seen as political. Who can we trust? Who can we depend on for uh, for the facts? Who is telling the truth? We, we've become skeptical and often rightly so of those charged with just giving us the information, presenting the facts. Well, church, let's hear once again that our Lord, our God, is trustworthy, that he never speaks a lie. That he is always true to his word. He always keeps his word. 
That he is not simply some pie-in-the-sky figure who exercises dominion from a distance or who rules with an iron fist. No, he is a mighty and matchless God who has made us to be in relationship with him. He has made us to know him and to experience him. He has made us to know him and to trust him. So, friend, do you trust him? Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Jesus says, trust the Lord, your God. Trust God and trust me. You see, he's interested in and invested in us. Even now, on May the 17th, 2020, he is interested in you. God is the only God. He cares about you. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows your personality and your quirks. He knows uh, your interests and your disinterest. He knows your uh, your secrets and your successes. And God is eternally interested in you and in being known by you. And this is why he took on human flesh. This is why there was a Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, this is why Jesus came and lived in real time in a real land alongside real flesh and blood people walking and talking and teaching day after day after day for three years with 12 guys whom he entrusted with the tall task of telling the world why he came and what he accomplished. And he came and accomplished access to the Father for us. He came providing reconciliation to us. He he came and accomplished... uh, a way for us to enjoy a heavenly home, even though we're sinners. He came and opened the way for sinners who put their trust in him. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? You see, heaven is God's home. And there's room there. For you. Jesus tells us. He teaches us. He says heaven is God's home. It's my home. It's, it's, it's God's home. And there's room there for you. When I read this text, I can't help but think of a hit song from my own uh, childhood by a Christian rock band, Audio Adrenaline. It was a hit song back in the day, right? It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. There's a big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football. A big, big house. It's my father's house. You know, that's a silly song. Um, but that that jives with what Jesus is saying here. Jesus describes heaven as the father's house. Heaven is, is the father's house. And he's saying heaven is my father's house. And there's room there for any and And all, everyone who puts their trust in me, Jesus is saying to his followers, I know you will face some difficult days. I know that you may feel, even now, alone and afraid. I know there is much trouble in this world, much loneliness and heartache, depression and disease and danger. But trust me, for I have overcome the world. This is what Jesus is reminding his people, teaching his people, teaching us. You know what, I think that the emphasis here is less on a place that needs to be prepared and more on the path of preparation. In other words, Jesus is not so much saying, I need to go design and build and tidy up the house. He is saying, I'm opening up the house. I'm opening up the house. 
In other words, this is not so much a message of uh, about sprawling estates and immaculate mansions and glory as it is about being in God's house, which ultimately, of course, is about being with him. It's about restoration of a broken relationship with him. It's about the elimination of sin, which leads to death, both of which stand in the way of a perfect fellowship with and delight. In God. And so Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's headed to the cross. And then to the tomb. And ultimately to resurrection from the dead. And to be raised back to the right hand of the Father. To, to rule in heaven on high. Over heaven and earth. As the supreme sovereign one. He is paving the path for all who trust in him. To be made right with God for forever. That's what he meant by preparing the place. And what makes the place such a special place is that he is there. Jesus says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You see, Jesus guarantees that his people will dwell with him forever. Jesus guarantees that his people will dwell with him for forever. Jesus Jesus is trustworthy, and he has said there's plenty of space. Via the cross and the resurrection, he says, I have prepared the place, a place for you to be with me, unhindered, uninterrupted, unbroken access to God, like we were made to have and to enjoy from the beginning forever. The focus is on the comfort God's people will have in his presence. And Paul states it this way. He says, and so we will be with the Lord forever. He writes to the church. He says, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what it's going to be like. I know. I want you to know how this is going to take place. The Lord is, is going to return. Our Savior is going to return. He's going to gather his people from every corner of the earth. And he says, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So, brother, sister. Disciple, follower of Jesus, believer, be encouraged by Christ today. Take heart. Take heart. Jesus has prepared. He is preparing. He will continue to prepare a place for you, a place where everything is right. A place where there is no corruption nor cancer. A place where there is no suffering, nor sickness, no suicide bombers, no political turmoil, no family brokenness, no unfaithfulness, no depression, nor anxiety, no dishonesty, no insecurity, no guilt, and no shame. For by our Lord's substitutionary, can't get that word out, substitutionary death on the cross in our place for us in his triumphant resurrection from the dead, Jesus has prepared the place and the path for any and all who put their trust in him. So friends, let's trust in him. Let's trust Jesus. Let's trust him today. Let's trust him today. Let's walk with him today, regardless of the very real earthly struggles you may feel today. You may be facing today. Hear Christ saying to you, calling to you, beckoning you now to trust in him, saying to you now, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And so, church, we wait. We watch. And we worship. We proclaim the riches of his grace to us, knowing that this place, this earth, this place is not our home. For our citizenship is in another place. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? Father, help us to long for you as we wait. And Father, certainly, as long as we are here, we pray that we would trust you, that we would seek you, and that we would serve you. Lord, that we would love you with all that we are, and that we would rest in your love, that we would abide in you, and that we would proclaim the riches of your grace to us with with our neighbors, with our loved ones, with strangers near and far, Lord, that we would proclaim who you are. Lord, that we would walk confidently and courageously with you, trusting you and awaiting your return. Lord, looking forward to the day that we will be in your presence with unhindered, unbroken access to you because of what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done. Father, hear our praise now. Lead us to express our faith now through song. Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, uh, church family, once again for worshiping with us today. Thank you for your your love for the Lord. I do pray that you're strengthened in your walk with him, your love for him, your love for one another in his name. Uh, let's bow together so we close out our time today. Uh, Lord, we love you. Uh, we pray that you would increase our love for you. Lord, that you would increase our faith in you. Uh, Lord, that you would continue to remind us today that we are yours. We've been purchased by the blood of your son, our savior, Jesus. Lord, it's in his name that we have gathered from afar to worship you today. Uh, Lord, to hear from you today. And so, Lord, now as we go throughout this day, throughout the week ahead, we pray that we would carry the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, that we would honor you until we gather again. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.